0: Well, just when you thought things couldn't get any better today, today we are finishing with baptisms. You are not going to want to miss it. It's going to be a great, great day. You are going to be glad that you came today. Uh, But first, I have a question for you. Voici la question. Est-ce que vous êtes prêts? Here's a question Are you ready to study God's word today? I sure hope so. Because I am so excited to start this series called Rescue, where I get to share some of my absolute favorite Bible stories. And this is a story that we're going to begin looking at today that I've taught in a lot of different places. Tracy and I both agree this is one of our our absolute favorite teachings, and yet I've never shared it with you. And so today is the day. And so if you wanna grab a Bible and find Genesis chapter 29. Genesis 29 and the story that we are going to look at today is a very real story of human emotion. It is filled with deception and betrayal, rejection, sex, family conflict, and relational struggle. Frankly, it is the kind of story that many people are surprised to find in the Bible. Uh, Some people think the Bible is just, you know, people who are good and nice and happy and everything always turns out great. But folks, the fact is the Bible is filled with stories of messed up people like you and me. And so we're going to jump right into the middle of a big family drama that's going on. We are in Genesis 29 and we will begin reading in verse 15. Now, after Jacob had stayed with him for a whole month, Laban said to him, "'Just because you are a relative of mine, should you work for me for nothing? Tell me what your wages should be.'" Now, Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah. The name of the younger was Rachel. Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel was lovely in form and beautiful. Jacob was in love with Rachel and said, I will work for you seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, it's better that I should give her to you than some other man. Stay here with me. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. It's like a Hallmark movie, isn't it? You can put that on a card for your anniversary. Such a beautiful love story. So after seven years, verse 21, then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife. My time is completed. I want to lie with her. That is an awkward conversation with your new father-in-law. This boy is ready. He has been waiting for seven years. And so Laban brought together all the people of the place and gave a feast. And when evening came, he took his daughter, Leah, and gave her to Jacob, and Jacob lay with her, and Laban gave his servant girl, Zilpah, to his daughter, Leah, as her Maid so there's a big wedding party with feasting and drinking. And after it is dark, the bride is presented to Jacob with a veil covering her face. And then they go into the dark tent. The whole time, Jacob thinking that this is his beloved Rachel. But it is not. Verse 25. But when morning came, behold, there was Leah. Leah. And so Jacob said to Laban, what is this you have done to me? I served you for Rachel, didn't I? Why have you deceived me? And Laban replied, well, it's not our custom here to give the younger daughter in marriage before the older one. Finish this daughter's bridal week and then we'll give you the younger one also in return for another seven years of work. And Jacob did so. He finished the week with Leah And then Laban gave him his daughter Rachel to be his wife. Laban gave his servant girl Bilhah to his daughter Rachel as her maidservant, and Jacob lay with Rachel also, and he loved Rachel more than Leah. And he worked for Laban another seven years. Now when the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. And Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben, for she said, it is because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. Now before we dig into this story, and there's a lot more yet to come, but before we dig into this, first there are a few things that we need to understand about Jacob's family background. We need to understand that Jacob's grandfather, if we'll put this on the screen, that Jacob's grandfather was named Abraham. And Abraham was the father of Israel. All Jews come from the line of Abraham. And so God's plan all along had been to reveal himself to this one nation, Israel, so that this one nation could then be a blessing and a priestly nation to the rest of the world. And so one day, God said to Abraham, Abraham, look at this world. Do you see all of the pain and all of the suffering, all of the injustice and the cruelty and hopelessness and disease and death? Abraham... I have a plan to bring healing and restoration into the world, and I am going to do it through your family, Abraham. One of your descendants will be the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And so God says to Abraham, here's here's what's going to happen. Abraham, that in your family with each generation, among each generation, a child will be chosen as the seed. And that chosen seed will be passed down from generation to generation to generation until eventually at the right time a Messiah will be born. In other words, Abraham, one of your great, 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 great grandchildren is going to be more than just a king. He will be the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the prince of peace, a savior who will bring healing and rescue the world from its Sin. And so it happened with each generation that God told Abraham that his son Isaac is the chosen seed. And then in the next generation, God told Isaac that his son Jacob is the chosen seed, but there's a problem. That instead, Isaac Tries to follow the traditions of man and, blessed, and bless and honor his son Esau over Jacob. And there is a great wound, is there not, when a parent picks one child over another and chooses to bless and honor one over then another and does not give love to a child. And some of you have experienced that kind of pain in your life. And so Jacob felt rejected by his father. And in his, in his pain, Jacob starts to get bitter. And he becomes a liar He becomes a deceiver. He becomes a manipulator. And remember, he is still God's chosen seed. But Jacob tries to run away from his family problems. And he goes to a far off land. And that is where we meet Laban. Now Laban is also a liar and a manipulator. And after about a month of working with Laban, who has two daughters... Laban realizes that Jacob is smart. Like this kid is special. He knows how to work hard. He's a leader. He knows how to make money. And so Laban decides he wants to get Jacob locked down into a contract to work for him. And he says, You know, Jacob, what can I give you? And Jacob says, Well, sir, I love your daughter, Rachel. I want to marry her, and so they work out a deal, and Laban says, you work for me for seven years, and you can have my daughter, Rachel, as your wife. Now, what do we know about these two daughters? Look at verse 16 and 17 again. It says, now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel was lovely in form, and beautiful. Now if you look this verse up in different English translations, you'll see that different translations translate this line differently where it says Leah had weak eyes. Some translations say Leah had tender eyes. Some say she had delicate eyes. Some say she had broken eyes. And the reason for that is because nobody today really knows what that ancient Hebrew word means here in the verse. It's gotten lost in time. And so I think, though, if you look at this verse in its context, even if the ancient Hebrew word is hard to understand, that they've chosen to translate weak, I think it's not as difficult as you realize when you, when you look at it and ask, does this really mean that she can't see very well? Does this mean that Leah has a bad prescription and needs glasses? Does this mean that her vision is so bad? If that's what it was, would it not say Leah could not see very far and had to wear glasses, but Rachel could see a long, long way into the distance? No, no, no. That's not what it says, isn't it? It's more like Leah was weak on the eyes. It seems to be referring to their appearance in some way. It's saying that Rachel was a mega hottie, and Leah had some kind of eye problem. Maybe she was cross-eyed, or maybe she had some kind of eye disorder. But whatever it was, Rachel and Leah were opposites. Rachel had guys lining up at the, at the door, falling at her feet, but none of the guys are interested in Leah. And in that culture, in ancient times, a beautiful daughter could bring lots of money to the family. But a daughter like Leah was considered a burden to the family. And Laban thought, well, I guess I'm stuck with my eldest daughter. See, that's how Laban was. He used people. And he figured his daughter Leah was not worth much. And so we get to the end of the seven years. And Jacob has been working hard. He has made lots of money for Laban, For seven years, he's been working towards that romantic dream. And finally, they are going to be married, Jacob and Rachel. So they prepare a big wedding feast. It's a huge party with food and dancing and drinking, all culminating in the presentation of the bride. And out walks this young lady with a veil covering her face. And they've prepared a tent for the couple to go into for their wedding night. And they go into the tent and they spend the night together and the next morning comes and the sun arises and the light gently breaks into the tent and he rolls over for the first time to look into the eyes of his beloved Rachel. Oh no! Verse 27, it says, when morning came, behold, there was Leah. And Jacob is furious. He has the wrong sister, but it's too late. Jacob knows that Laban has tricked him, and he is stuck with Leah. And he goes back to Laban, and he agrees to work another seven years so that he can also have Rachel as his wife. Now, up until this point, the story seems to be about Jacob, But all of a sudden now, you realize that Jacob is not the real victim here, right? Who is the real victim here? It's Leah. I mean, after all, Jacob is just getting what he deserved. Jacob was known as a liar and a deceiver. Laban was just giving Jacob a taste of his own medicine, But the real victim here is Leah. She has done nothing to deserve this. She has been rejected by her father. Her father forces her to enter into this deception. He forces her to marry a guy who doesn't love her, a guy who will never love her. And to make things worse, the the woman that Jacob does love is Leah's little sister, pretty little Rachel. Can you imagine how miserable this is? Beginning in verse 32, you see her pain. And we're going to look into more detail in this next week because the names of her children are significant. But just really quickly, verse 32, Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben for she said, it is because the Lord has seen my misery, surely my husband will lead Uh, love me now. Now, she names the child Reuben, which literally means, see my misery. In Hebrew, it is, see my suffering. Please don't ignore me. That's what she names her child. Verse 33, she conceived again, and she gave birth to a son. And she said, because the Lord has heard that I am not loved, he gave me this one too, so she named him Simeon. Guess what Simeon means? It means one who hears. Won't somebody hear me cry? And so she names her first son, see me. She names her second son, hear me. In verse 34, again she conceived. And when she gave birth to a son, she said, now at last my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. And she named him Levi. Guess what Levi means? It means attached or joined together. And so with the birth of each child, she is crying out. And so the first son, she names see me. The second child, she names hear me. The third child, she names connect with me. Doesn't your heart break for Leah? But then a fourth child is born. And we're going to look at that next week because there is a moment when everything changes for Leah. Now, there are five things in this story that we're going to look at really quickly. And uh, we're, gonna, we're going to look at three things that are bad, bad news, this week. And then next week, we're going to come back and look at two things that are good news. And I want to give credit really quickly to somebody uh, that these five ideas uh, come from a teaching uh, by Timothy Keller. But he says, bad news number one is that sin Always catches up with you. Isn't that true? Sin always catches up with you. Le péché te fait toujours mal. What you see here in this story is just generation after generation of, of parents and children making bad choices and bringing pain to each other. Isaac rejects Jacob, then Jacob tricks his brother Esau, then Laban tricks Jacob, then Jacob rejects Leah, and then if you keep reading the story, you see later that Jacob does the same thing to his sons that his father did to him, favoring one son over the other, and the rest of the sons get jealous. And it's just this whole cycle of sin and rejection and deception and jealousy and bitterness. In fact, many times we see this. Sometimes a child who grows up in a home where one of their parents has been unfaithful and committed adultery, that many times those kids grow up and do the same thing in their own marriage. They repeat the patterns that they saw as a child. Sometimes a child who has been abused when they are growing up, themselves grow up to become abusers. You see, here's what we need to understand. Family sins are often handed down from generation to generation. And you need to know that sin brings destruction, not just to you, but also to the people around you. And the Bible says that you are not strong enough to break those chains on your own. Whatever you do, it comes back to you and to those around you. But thank God today there is forgiveness in the cross of Jesus Christ. And I'm here to tell you that no matter what your family has handed down to you, no matter what others have done to you, no matter what sins or mistakes you have made, I am here to tell you today that Jesus Christ can break those chains. See, whatever your bondage is today, Jesus wants to break the chains. Bad news number two, in the morning, it's always Leah. We have this tendency to run after things that we think will make us happy. You know, if I could just get that right job, if I could just get my degree completed, if I could just have more money, if I could just find that right person who makes me feel good, if we could just have Children, if we could just find the perfect church, good luck with that, if, if I could just find that missing piece to the puzzle, then everything's going to be all right in my life. And for Jacob, that one thing that he pursued was Rachel, And for seven years, he worked toward that dream. Rachel was going to solve all of his problems, the storybook ending. And on his wedding night, everything was going to be perfect. But it says, the next morning he woke up, and behold, there was Leah. Now, this is not Leah's fault. She is the victim. But for Jacob, this is just another example of things going wrong in his life. I can't ever get ahead no matter what I do. It always turns out Leah for me. And what happens so often is when we're not happy in life, we begin to blame our parents, we blame our spouse, we blame our kids, we blame our boss, we blame society. We blame the government. We blame God, not realizing that the issue has never really actually been an issue out there somewhere. The issue that has been messed up has always been something deep inside of me. That the real issue is that there is a hole in my heart that only God can fill. And when we try to fill it with all that other stuff, we will always wake up in the morning Disappointed. Without God, life is never as good as you hoped it would be. Bad news number three family expectations can become an idol in our lives. Now, family is a good thing, don't get me wrong. God instituted the family. Marriage is a sacred vow between a man and a woman, and children are a blessing and a responsibility entrusted to us by God. But here's the problem. Many times our culture, our society, elevates that kind of relationship beyond the point that God designed for it to fulfill in our lives. And so we think, well, if I can't find that relationship, if I can't find that that partner to share my life with, then I can never truly be happy. But the Bible comes against the idolization of family. Listen, you can't build your life on what your husband thinks about you. You can't build your life on what your parents think about you. You can't build your life on on having kids and trying to raise the perfect family because there is this huge temptation in our lives to take this responsibility That God has given us, which is good, but to elevate it above God in our lives. And that's what Leah did. Leah wanted the husband. She wanted the storybook life. She wanted the perfect family. And even when you get it, you need to understand, even if you get what you think you want, it is never as good as you hoped it would be. Because the problem is we have been trying to get from those relationships what we can only get from God. And so, folks, listen. Next week, I hope you'll come back. Next week, we are going to see the rest of this story. Today, we looked at the bad news in Leah's story. Next week, we're going to look at the good news in Leah's story when God comes to her rescue. But I just want to ask you a question Do you find yourself anywhere in this story? Are, are you like Jacob, where maybe you have been hurt and rejected in your life, and now? you're doing the same thing to other people that's been done to you. Now, in the same way you have been hurt, you're hurting others. Like Jacob, like Laban, you've allowed yourself to become selfish, and you've used people and abused people. Maybe there are secrets in your life today that nobody else knows about and you need to get right with God. Because listen, I'm going to tell you, you cannot run away from your sin no matter how hard you try. It's going to catch up with you, but you can confess it and get right with God today. And then number two, maybe you've been blaming others for your problems. Maybe you have been chasing after stuff like Jacob chased after Rachel and you believed that if you could just get to that certain place in your life if you could just get that right person in your life, if you could just find that right opportunity that you've been fighting for, then things would be right in your life. But you need to know today, it will never be enough. In the morning, it's always going to turn out Leah. It's always going to be a disappointment. And you need to stop blaming other people and allow God to come in and heal you. Or maybe like Leah, it's family problems. Maybe like Leah, rejection and bitterness and painful words, maybe divorce and fighting and lack of trust have gotten to the point where your family seems to hurt more than it helps. But I'm here to tell you that there is healing, in the arms of Jesus. And your family cannot heal you, but God can. Heavenly Father, we come to you today as people who are broken. Heavenly Father, we know that Many times, we are very much like Leah. We're seeking the validation and the acceptance of people in the world, thinking that if we can just receive their love, then we'll feel better. But today, I pray that you would reach out and speak into the lives of those who are here in this room today to realize that you have loved them. You have always loved them. And you have provided the way for our salvation. And so we lift our songs to you. We lift our praise to you. We submit our lives to you. Thank you that Jesus died on the cross for us so that we can be forgiven and set free. And so we glorify you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.